0: Good morning. Today's Bible reading is from Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith.
1: Well, now's the time that we're going to spend a bit of time reflecting on that second passage from Acts chapter 6. So if you can keep your Bibles open there. It's also the time for kids to be uh, getting their activity packs out and watching the YouTube video that the kids' church leaders have provided. So parents, now's the time to cue that up. But I'm going to pray again as we come to reflect a bit more on Acts chapter 6. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do want to be people who know the love that you have shown to us in jesus and so father help us to be people who uh, devote ourselves to studying it to reflecting on it meditating upon it we also want to be people father who are transformed by that love and so we pray father that you will be working in our hearts by your spirit to make us people who love like jesus and we pray these things in his name amen i've been a part of enough churches in my time to know firsthand that churches have problems. I also know how discouraging that can be. We have such high hopes and expectations for what a church community should be like, and so we should, right? We should be transformed by the love of God, and that should overflow in our love for each other. And so we should be a community that is distinctive and different in the ways that we care for each other. And in every church that I have been a part of, that has been true in varying degrees, but never perfectly. And when we see churches falling short in these areas and not caring for each other in the ways that we know we should, it's discouraging. And, you know, sometimes we assume that the problem that we are kind of experiencing among us in our own church is unique to our own church, and so we think that maybe something is fundamentally broken. Maybe it's the problem of feeling like some people are in the in crowd, so to speak, while others are left out, excluded. Some people are well cared for, while others are forgotten or overlooked, or maybe it's that. A small group of people are doing a majority of the work and serving in the church, and are in danger of burning out while other people are just along for the ride. I wonder if some of those problems sound familiar. Occasionally, I meet someone who is on the search, constantly on the search for the perfect church, and so they're always moving from one church to the next when they join a church and they then discover that. Things are not perfect there. They move on to try the next one. But the reality is we will never find the perfect church or the perfect community this side of the return of Jesus. Now, I don't say that in order to, I guess, reduce or minimise those problems that we see or or other ones. The fact that we'll never be perfect should not stop us from working at it shouldn't make us kind of ignore those problems and just say we should put up with it. But this does raise an issue that I think our passage today has something to say about. See, it turns out that this problem of falling short, churches falling short of what we're aiming for and what we should be like, is as old as the church itself. In Acts 6, We see some very real problems in the church, problems of bad administration, it seems, or or mismanagement of care, you could say, or at least not good enough care. We see potential problems of division in the church along cultural lines. These are serious problems. But how the apostles deal with the problem shows us that the threat to the church in this case is different to the actual problem that the church is facing. It turns out that the actual threat in this case is the threat of distraction, distraction from the mission of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. So let's get into it. Let's have a look at the passage. We see from verse one, as I said, that there is a problem in the church. Let me read from verse one of chapter six. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Now, you might remember that back in chapter 4, we saw this beautiful picture of how the church was caring for each other. People would sell their property and bring the money of the sale to the apostles and they would use that to provide for the needy among them. And so we heard in chapter 4, There were no needy people among them. What a beautiful picture of people who are so transformed by the love of God and by the spirit of God in them that they cared for each other so well. But now there's a problem. As I said, we might call that problem bad management. But even deeper than that, there is a real risk of division in the church. You couldn't quite call it racism because they're all Jews, but at least cultural division, favoritism maybe. The Hellenistic Jews that it mentions there were the Greek speakers among them and probably more culturally Greek. And the Hebraic Jews had Aramaic or maybe Hebrew as their first language. And so there were two noticeably different cultural groups within the church. And the complaint is that in their care for the widows, the Hellenistic Jews, the widows of the Hellenistic Jews were being overlooked. They're not being cared for properly. And this was a big deal. Divisions in the church are a big deal. Not caring for the needy among them is a big deal. And in particular, caring for widows. You can't read the Bible for very long without discovering that caring for widows and orphans is a big deal in the Bible. Widows and orphans are typically the most needy and vulnerable in any society. And the Old Testament is absolutely full of examples that show God's heart, that God is a God who cares for and defends the cause of the widows and the orphans. And he calls his people to share his heart. He commands them to be people who care for these most vulnerable in their society. And the New Testament says the same. And this new community of God's people are doing just that. Or at least they're trying to. But as we can see here, however well it might have started, there is a problem now. It's not happening the way it should be. This was a serious issue. It was serious enough that the apostles decided to take it seriously. And they come up with a plan to address the problem, to make sure that the widows are cared for properly and that there isn't ongoing this unequal division of care between different sections in the church. But before we look at what their solution was, notice that there was an even bigger concern that was driving the plan that they came up with. And it shows what their priority was. And I reckon it's one, it's a priority that often doesn't sit comfortably with us. Let me read from verse 2 down to the end of the paragraph. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. See, the apostles want to make sure that, their pl- that plans are put in place to deal with this problem. But they also want to make sure that they are not distracted from what must be their number one priority. The ministry of the word, teaching about Jesus and prayer this is not the kind of priority that is going to win the approval of the people around us. I mean you can imagine if uh, you can imagine the headlines if this kind of news got into the media today. They'd say things like your church leaders unwilling to get their hands dirty, or church leaders leaving the hard work to others. Charity in the church or churches doing charity work is one of the few things that Christians do, that still I think gets the approval from the people around us, the world around us. It's easy for us to talk about the welfare work that we do, the work of caring for the needy that goes on among us. You're not likely to get criticized for that. But for the apostles to say, it is not right for us to focus on that and neglect our primary task, the work of gospel ministry, That's not a popular priority to have. And notice, too, that the work of gospel ministry includes both speaking the word about Jesus and prayer. Those two must always go hand in hand. They're inseparable because God is the one who works by his spirit as we speak about Jesus. And so we pray for him to be at work. And it also involves all kinds of speaking. In the verse before our passage, chapter 5, verse 42... They were speaking in the temple courts and from house to house, publicly and privately. This is the task that the apostles were not willing to neglect, even for the urgent need of caring properly for widows. Of course, that doesn't mean that they didn't think this was important, that they didn't think caring for the needy was important, or that it was somehow beneath them. They'd previously been doing that job themselves, but now the administration of it was getting a bit out of control as the church grew. And there is certainly no suggestion that waiting on tables was somehow an inferior ministry. Delegating this task, the apostles delegating this task and who they delegated it to, shows how highly they valued it. This was a job, they said, for the spiritually mature among them. Choose men full of the spirit and of wisdom, they said. This was not a simple task. It required godly wisdom and maturity. This was not just to give to people who the get things done kind of people. And even though the apostles didn't choose the men themselves, they did approve them. They laid their hands on them and prayed for them as a sign of fellowship This is not a different ministry that was going to start up separately, that the apostles were kind of washing their hands of and and getting rid of. It was different roles done in partnership and with the approval of the apostles in the common ministry of the church. And have a look at the result in verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests Became obedient to the faith. You see the result? The Word of God continued to spread. More people became disciples of Jesus, and you might notice that, that actually mirrors the situation that was happening directly before this passage and at the beginning of it, before the problem arose. See, at the end of the last passage and the beginning of this one, the apostles were speaking the Word of God everywhere, and the number of disciples was increasing rapidly. That's what's happening at the beginning of the passage and at the end of the passage. And so what we're seeing in the middle is that this episode is about whether this situation will put a stop to the spread of the gospel. This was another threat that the early church faced to the to the spread of the gospel. And we've already seen a few threats, haven't we? We've seen the threat of, of persecution. That didn't stop the spread. We've seen the threat of corruption within the church. God dealt with that. This was another threat. So what was it? What was the threat? It looked like we could have called it the threat of division in the church or the threat of lack of love within the church, but actually the real threat was the threat of distraction, that the apostles could have been diverted from their task even for something as important as caring for the needy. So I wonder if we can kind of a principle that's at work here what's the principle at one level we might note that this is the kind of thing that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians that the church is one body with different parts doing different things and that we all need to serve in our various ways but if that's all we come away with then I think we've missed the point See, this is not just saying that some people need to prioritise the ministry of the word and prayer while other people need to do the ministry of care, practical care, and we just need to make sure that we stick to the job that we've got. Yes, we have different roles and different ways of serving, but this seems to be saying more than that. It seems to be saying that we need to make sure that the very good and important concern of caring for those in need does not divert divert or distract us from prioritising the ministry of the word and prayer among us. And as I said, that is never going to be popular. It's always going to be easier to talk about the way churches, the way that our church cares for the needy and the marginalised and the vulnerable, stuff that we should be doing. But no one's going to praise us for making sure that we never lose focus on proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the messiah and that is how we can be saved. And yet that's the message that changes hearts. That's the message that actually makes us people who do want to care for the needy. And I can honestly say that in my short time here at Richmond Anglican I've been encouraged by what I see of people who do care for the sick and for the marginalized and for the lonely. Could we do it better? Of course we could. And maybe this could start a conversation of how we could do it better. But the point of this passage is to make sure that it does not come at the expense of the ministry of the word and prayer among us. See, the ministry of the word magnifies the ministry of prayer. Sorry, of care. I'll say that again. The ministry of the of the word and prayer magnifies the ministry of care. But in reverse, the opposite is true. The ministry of the care can swallow up the ministry of the word and prayer if we let it, which is the very thing that gives the care its heartbeat and its motivation. And we see this happening. We see the the ministry of care swallowing up the ministry of the word when churches and even whole denominations allow themselves to become distracted so that welfare becomes the mission. Now part of the issue here is that pastors need to be better at delegating and that's something that I certainly need to keep being reminded of and and thanks to those who do gently remind me of that. But it also means that we need to remember who does the work of ministry in the church because the answer to that is everyone, we all do just different kinds. You know, I've I've been in churches where, you know, someone's been going through a really difficult time and people in the church have, have cared for them by visiting them, have given them meals, have been calling them, have provided all kinds of practical care for them. And yet after all that, if they haven't had a personal visit from the minister, they end up saying the church didn't care for me. Not only does that devalue the wonderful ministry that so many people had done among them, it also doesn't help those who are meant to be set apart for the ministry of the word and prayer. It doesn't help them to not be distracted by the many other good things they could be doing. Again, and the better we have the ministry of the word at the heartbeat of our church the more it will make us people who are motivated to serve in all kinds of ways. And I wonder if I could just give an example of how I see this kind of dynamic and and priority of the ministry of of the word driving the ministry of care. Give an example of of how that, what that looks like in our own family and the way that we structure our financial giving outside of church. So as we plan our our giving, we, you know, give... uh, mostly I suppose to church, but outside of church, most of our financial giving is towards supporting ministries of the word and prayer. Some is directly towards what we might call welfare, supporting those who are physically needy, though it's still through church-based ministries that are done in the name of Jesus and, and the ministry of compassion is a great example of that. But The majority, as I said, is towards supporting ministries of the word and prayer. But you know what we notice as we hear back from those ministries of the word and prayer that we support as they kind of send us their prayer letters and so on? We hear how those ministries are having an impact on the people that they're serving and on the communities that they're serving so that people start caring for often literally the orphans and the widows around them. As the message of Jesus transforms hearts and communities, people care for each other in these practical ways. Now, that's just one example, but hopefully it helps to illustrate this idea of upholding the goodness of caring for the needy while holding on to the priority of the ministry of the word and prayer. As I said, we will never have perfect churches until Jesus comes and brings his new creation, which we long for, there will always be people in need and we will fail in various ways to care for them as best we should. Does that mean we should stop trying or stop caring? Of course not. It should spur us on towards that goal. But that must never come at the cost of being distracted from the ministry of the word and prayer in order to meet these very urgent needs. that that should always be the driving force behind who we are. That message of Jesus, the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, that's the news that God has given to save the world. And the apostles knew that they needed to protect that. And in doing so, they've given us a principle that we also need to follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there indeed are often so many needs around us that can be daunting, and we ask that, that uh, the daunting nature of that won't lead to inaction among us. But we do also pray, Father, that you will cause us to so hold on to the importance of proclaiming the message of Jesus among us and around us, that that does continue to be the thing that defines who we are and defines our mission and that at the same time, it changes our character so that we are people who love and serve and care for people in all kinds of ways. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.